0: Have you ever experienced a moment where God was asking you to do something that we would probably all say was totally crazy? That internal nudge, a still small voice, whatever you want to call it, but it's pulling at you. It's wanting you to step outside of your comfort zone, outside of yourself, beyond your fear, to encourage a stranger with God's promises. And you don't know what this person may do. You're going to take the risk of making yourself look like a total idiot. But then something surprising happens. You step out. You take the chance. And you find that God has divinely set up this meeting, this appointment, for you to not only bless a stranger, but for God to bless you. So it's December 23rd. It's right before Christmas. My wife and I had some last-minute Christmas shopping to do, and there's this area near where we live, and we're in Loveland, Colorado, called Centera. It's a beautiful shopping area. It's sort of a, a strip mall uh, type of a setup, and um, in this area... There is a really cool, almost like a little mini park in the center of the shopping district. And during the summertime, they host movies and popcorn and things like that on the lawn. And in the wintertime, they transform this space to be an ice rink. And it's really cool. Here it is right before Christmas. Got a few last minute things that my wife really wanted to get. Only had three of the kids with us at that time, three of the seven. Our daughters, uh, Grace, Faith, and Hope. And Grace uh, was 15 years old. Uh, the twins, um, both 11. I told Amanda, hey, you go do the shopping. I'll hang out here at the ice rink with the girls. If you know our family, you'll know that Christmas is the biggest and best holiday in the family. Matter of fact, by the time August rolls around, We're listening to Christmas music. Now, not everybody in the family agrees with this setup. I'm probably the worst, and now some of my other kids have followed suit and may even be worse than I am because my youngest daughter actually starts listening to Christmas music the end of July. I think that's too soon. August is okay. July is not. Manda leaves, they start ice skating, they ask if I would please skate with them, I did not want to, I looked at different support uh, options that were available at the ice rink to help adults who don't know how to skate, and they had these little trash can looking things that you flip them upside down, it's basically a trash can, and you hold on to it as you push the trash can around the ice rink as you look really stupid. And I thought, well, what the heck, I'm definitely not going to use the trash can, but I will give it a shot. And so with very wobbly legs, I put on my skates, I walk out to the rink and I start um, going around the perimeter, holding on to the wall while my girls um, show off their fantastic ice skating skills and try to pull me off of the wall. My daughter, Grace, says, Dad, hold my hand, skate with me. I really like this song. How do you say no to that? Plus, um, she's even more stable than the trash can option. And we started skating and it was just really cool. Snow falling, it's nighttime, Christmas music playing. It doesn't really get any better than this. It's amazing. We're skating around. And like so many times, God takes what you're doing and pulls you in a different direction. It's um, it's unexpected. It's nerve wracking. But it also is an opportunity to see God. As I normally say, God shows up and shows off and we get to be part of it. We get to see him do it. And there's no better experience than that. There is a worker shoveling the sidewalk and trying to keep up with the volume of snow that's falling. And he, and he's working away. And I, you know, I didn't really pay any attention to him at the time. I'm, I'm just focused on staying upright and not breaking something by falling on the ice. And as I'm skating with my daughter, I hear this voice and it's never audible. It's not an audible voice. It's, it's a still small voice. It's uh it's an internal nudge. And It says, go tell that man he's a masterpiece. Um, No, uh, absolutely not. That definitely was not God speaking to me, because why would he ever want me to go up to a stranger and say, hey, dude, you're a masterpiece. No, that sounds totally crazy. That first nudge, voice, whatever you want to call it, Tells me, invites me, it doesn't force me, it invites me to do this. And I kick back on it. I'm like, no. Just to kind of put this all in perspective, the guy down below the ice rink shoveling snow is six foot six and 300 pounds. I'm five foot seven, maybe seven and a half if I stand on my tiptoes. It's like Frodo. The Hobbit next to a giant. This guy's massive. He looks big and mean and strong. And there's no way I want to go up to some dude. I don't care how big he is and say, hey, you're a masterpiece. That just sounds so weird. And so I suppressed this invitation, said no. And I kept skating with Grace. Grace notices this pole towards this guy that's down below the hill. And she says, Dad, why do you keep looking at that guy over there? And I said, uh, Grace, um, this is going to sound really weird, but I think God wants me to go over and talk to him. And she pauses and she goes, why? <laughs> I was like, that's a good question. I have no idea. And so we just kind of left it at that. And so we keep ice skating and it's nagging at me so much that I feel like I need to go over and at least kind of approach this man. I let go of Grace. I, I skate over to the wall and I look down at this guy shoveling snow and I uh, and I say, hey. And the guy looks up, he's holding on to the shovel and he, he looks at me and he goes, yeah. And I respond, it sure is snowing hard, isn't it? And he goes, "Uh, yeah. And looks back down at the shovel and starts shoveling. At that point, I turn and I skate as fast as I possibly can away from this guy. And I was like, oh, that was that was really bad. That was bad. But God, I went up to the guy. And I did break the ice. Yeah, no pun intended. Um, I did break the ice and I, I acknowledge that it's snowing hard. Um, is that good enough? Can we stop there? And so I keep ice skating and it's nagging at me even worse than the beginning. And it asks me again, go tell that man he's a masterpiece. No, 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 there is no way I'm going over to this dude and I'm going to say you're a masterpiece. He's going to think I'm a freak. I just keep skating as I'm in this internal debate and argument with God, this voice, this invitation, this firm invitation, because it keeps coming back and I don't want to do it. There's uh, no. So Grace comes back around, smiling, grabs my hand again. And and we're skating some more. I can't even focus on Grace. I'm looking away half of the time. She's holding me upright so I don't fall. And she goes, Dad, you're looking at that guy again. What is the deal? And I said, God really wants me to go talk to this guy. And she goes, and tell him what? And I said, that he's a masterpiece. And Grace kind of cocks her head to the side, and I could tell she looked really confused. Every bit as confused as I felt, and just kind of went, Okay, Dad, you're really weird. I don't really know what to say to that. And my kids know me well enough that I am kind of weird. Yeah, She maybe isn't all that surprised. Maybe she's surprised that I picked a six foot six, 300 pound monster to walk up and say you're a masterpiece too." But, you know, she kind of looked at me and was like, OK, well, all right, um, moving on again. That invitation, that voice multiple times. Matter of fact, I said no three times. Three times specifically. No. The invitation was there. The request was clear. It never changed from when it started to the end. Go tell that man he's a masterpiece. And I said, no. I usually say no. I don't know about you. No is such a big part of my vocabulary. I don't want to take a chance. I don't want to do it. I I'm afraid. Maybe I'm lazy. I I have a million excuses. Uh, I'm a man with a million excuses. And no is just a, a key part of my response to a lot of things in life. Unfortunately, I love the persistence of God and his gentle but firm invitation, which is, hey, listen. I've set this up and this is important and this is not about you. It involves you. There's parts in here that it is about you, but this is more about someone else. And it's important because you are my messenger. You are my ambassador. And I need you right now to not miss something that will totally change the outcome for a stranger and totally transform your heart and your expectation. Come on, don't miss it. It's, it's an invitation, but I'm afraid you could miss it. And I know many, many, many times I've missed it. I've said no and I've stuck with it and I've missed out on a great blessing. I know I've got to go up to this guy. By that time, he had cleared three quarters of the sidewalk. He was even further away and further down this hill. You know what? He He's far enough away that he can't hurt me. That's good. So by delaying, you know, he he's, he's further away. He can't come up here and pound me quickly enough. I mean, even with my poor skating abilities, I can quickly skate to the exit and grab my shoes and run. So, I'm. I'm going to do it. I made a couple more laps trying to gain enough confidence and strength to deliver the message while I'm watching the exit and figuring out how long it would take me to get out of here. I go over to the edge and I go, hey. And he stops and he leans on his shovel and this time he's really irritated. And he goes, what, (laughs) what kind of like, what in the heck do you want? And I said, um, Hey man, um, I know this is going to sound really, really strange, but I believe God wants me to tell you that you're a masterpiece. And this guy doesn't move. It's like. He's frozen and he stares at me speechless. I'm waiting for the thumping that's going to come. I'm waiting for curse words that are going to come. I, I, I'm waiting for the most negative response possible, but it doesn't come. I met with a stare and this what? And he says, I think I'm going to cry. And I remember responding quickly with, you are? I'm like, what? Why? He drops his shovel and this guy climbs up this six foot plus wall and gets right up to me and leans over the rail. And he looks at me with tears in his eyes. And he said, "Why would you tell me that?" And I explained it. I, I didn't want to. Um, I was just minding my own business, ice skating with my girls over there. And God invited me. He told me. He kind of ordered me to come tell you that he wants you to know that you're a masterpiece. I, it sounds so strange. Matter of fact, it sounds so crazy that I said no. The first time I came up to you and I said, well, "It it sure is snowing hard. And you looked at me like, yeah, moron, I know I'm the one shoveling all the snow. And that was kind of my hope that I could engage you and find a way out. Like uh, I talked to this dude and, and God, leave me alone. And he didn't because I didn't deliver the right message. I delivered Dan's message. I delivered the message that I was hoping would be my exit message, but it wasn't what he wanted me to do. God wants you to know that you're a masterpiece. We had this conversation right there. And we just unpacked life right there. And he shares with me his heart and what he had been doing while he's shoveling snow. And I'm going to quote it because I wanted to get this right. I don't want to embellish anything. I don't want to make it up. I don't want to sensationalize this message and this this meeting. I want it to be real and raw and 100% exactly what happened because God has to receive The glory for something that I call a miracle that I was privileged enough to be part of. I don't understand that because I am such a big, hot mess so often. Why would God use me? Why would he use me to go up to this guy and tell him he's a masterpiece? But that was God's promise for him and is his promise for me and is his promise for everybody. And, and, you know, as we're talking, I remembered the scripture and I don't remember a lot of scriptures. And, and, you know, even with what God has written in, in the Bible, in all of these promises, I, you know, it's, it's like, uh, it's hard to remember everything. and, in this moment with this guy, is, he's like, why would you tell me that? Why would God want to share that with me? I share a scripture and I said, Ephesians 2.10. Okay, this is not this dude just telling you this. This is from God, okay? And God wanted me to tell you that you're a masterpiece because he wrote it. Because he spoke it. And what he wrote and spoke thousands of years ago is something for you now. It's for you personally, and I'm nothing more than a mouthpiece, nothing more than a messenger that's connecting you to a promise that has existed for thousands of years. And I challenge you to open your mind even more. It's existed since before time began. God wants you to know that you're a masterpiece. His masterpiece Matter of fact, you're such a masterpiece. You look just like him because he created you in his image. Could have just created you as a sculpture to put on a shelf for all of the angels to go. Hey, look what he did. He made something else. This one looks fantastic. We're going to put that on the mantle in heaven next to the fireplace. It's beautiful. But he goes, no, 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 no. This is something divine. This is something that makes angels stand in awe and it takes their very breath away from them as they look at this creation and he goes, masterpiece. I've said the other things I've created, those are good. It is good. But I call this a masterpiece. The finest work, my finest work. This is a masterpiece and I don't want it. Just sitting on a shelf. I want it to live. I want it to breathe. And I want it to walk fearlessly with my promises. So I told him Ephesians 2:10. For we are God's handiwork. And in another version, it says, masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works that God prepared in advance for you to do. So while I'm approaching a guy to tell him that he's a masterpiece, God is taking me to do a good work that he prepared in advance for me to do. So in addition to me speaking life and promises and truth to a stranger, I'm actually living and experiencing what that verse means. Hey, Daniel. Yeah, you're a masterpiece. You need to go tell that guy that he's a masterpiece because he doesn't think he is. He needs to know it. Go tell him. And so... I share Ephesians 2.10 with him and we talk about Ephesians 2.10 what it really means that God loves you. God just wants you to know that you're a masterpiece. So I'm leaning over with this giant, Daniel and Goliath. I'm crying, this dude's crying and we're just like unpacking God's truth and I'm in awe of what has just unfolded My girls skate over my my three precious girls, grace, faith, and hope. And what better names for this experience, right? God's grace poured out through faith, bringing hope. And the girls come around and and they see that dad's talking to this guy and Grace knows the backstory, right? She, she knows, Hey, dad was supposed to bring a message to this guy and he didn't want to do it. Yeah. Dad always says no. Right. The girls come over and we're talking and we all pray together at the ice rink, right? We're, we're just out here, this public space and place and Christmas music going and people are ice skating around us and, I've got this worker that's kneeling on a big stone ledge at six or seven feet up, and we all take hands with our gloves on, and and we pray and we pray over Andrew, this man. We pray that God will continue to reveal Himself. That God will. Pour his love, his favor, his blessing, his power over this man because he is a masterpiece. And we pray over him. And my girls pray over him. My girls pray. And there's nothing better, in my opinion, as a father than to hear your children pray. And it was amazing. It it was a gift for me. And I go, God, you just you showed off again. You, You did it again. You always do it. And I love it. I love it when you show off, Father, because it just continues to reaffirm you're real. You're here. You, you know, it, it's not it's not a lie. It's not a fantasy. I don't have to read the word and these promises and go, you know, it sounds good. It was only for them. It's just the story of make believe. Right. And no, it's not. It's not story make believe. It's totally real. It's everything written is real. And can I believe it with all that is within me? The small faith, this really little faith that I have, even as I say no. Right. Finally, when I step out in really weak faith and God goes, you know, dude, when are you going to when are you going to listen? When are you going to finally fully believe When are you going to finally just live fearlessly with my promises? Because every one of them is true. Something you need to know about this. Andrew, from that moment, stayed connected with me. And we continued to talk. Um, I continued to encourage him with God's word. He encouraged me, you know, with God's word. And so it worked both ways. And I remember we went up to a, a, a men's retreat um, with our church and Andrew was up there and he would join our, our, our men's table. A whole group of guys, just a bunch of misfits. And we'd meet at Cracker Barrel. I, I call it the Cracker Barrel Revival. And, you know, we would have a whole bunch of guys from all different walks of life and careers and things. And we just all meet and we just do life together. And Andrew showed up there and I got to tell the story to the guys. And um, they just kind of looked at me like, that's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. You know what? When we follow the father we believe his promises, you're going to step into a realm of crazy. You're going to step out into a realm of impossibility that is going to get you addicted to what he can do. And as stubborn as you are, as as fearful as you are, and I believe our stubbornness is so rooted in fear. Because I'm paralyzed so often because it takes me so far out of my comfort zone. But if we can just live fearlessly with those promises at the forefront and go, is that you, Father? Is that you? Okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll send that message. God will unveil a fantastic story that reveals his glory. A story that reveals his glory. Don't wait for heaven in order to experience God's promises they're available now and they involve the same things that Jesus did which was to send out an invitation follow me come on just just follow me you need to know who you are you need to know that you're a masterpiece come on come on and follow me if we do that, and we live fearlessly with his promises, there is literally nothing that is impossible. We will see the impossible. We will experience the impossible, and we will wake up with just the most energy and excitement for what God can do on this day, because Ephesians 2.10 is true. For we are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works on this day that God prepared in advance for us to do. So something that I did because I did not want to sensationalize the story. I wanted to get the message right. I reached out to Andrew just this week because I, I've i been just excited to share this story and also nervous to share this story. And I wanted to make sure I shared it in the right way. I reached out to Andrew and I said, Andrew, hey, dude, I, I want to know exactly what happened on that night. I can't remember it all. I can't. Um, uh, Before I came up to you with the crazy message, you're a masterpiece. I want to know what was happening with you. Because I remember you telling me a story about you shoveling snow and having a conversation with God. But I don't want to make it up. Can you tell me? And I quote this. Andrew says, I do remember. I don't remember the exact words I used. But I was angry. I was feeling abandoned, rejected, and unloved. I was angry at the man I had become. I didn't feel good enough for God's love, much less anyone else's. I was angry at God, specifically blaming him for allowing me to mess up this bad. When you came up to me, I had just finish screaming at God about how I was the equivalent of garbage, absolutely worthless and unloved, end quote. This is the man that God called me, invited me, pressured me, was hoping that I would deliver a message of hope and truth about his promises. That's in his word to say, hey, dude, I hear you. God was wanting Andrew to know, I I hear you, you're shoveling the snow. You're so mad, you're so hurt. And I need you to know I'm not mad at you. You can scream at me all day long. It's okay. Nothing changes. My love for you hasn't changed. My purpose for you has not changed. None of it has changed. You need to know I see you as a masterpiece and I love you. And I'm going to do something amazing in your life. That is unbelievable. When you look at what has happened with Andrew in that moment to God, having me deliver the message of hope and where Andrew is today, a man, a giant, a force to reckon with this dude knows God's promises. This guy speaks God's promises. Is everything perfect? Absolutely not. Life is hard. It's filled with problems. But his promise includes never leaving you or forsaking you. His promise includes, I'm going to fight for you. His promise includes, I'm going to do what you can't do for yourself. Oh, if only we would live fearlessly with God's promises. What is possible? Possible is the only word that describes what God can do, because impossible is not part of his vocabulary. It doesn't exist. For you are God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works that God has prepared in advance for you to do. I started this by saying, I love seeing when God shows up and shows off. It's actually not the right way to say it. I've said it that way for years and years and years. God shows up and shows off and I just get to be part of it. I get to see the show, right? But it's actually not true because the right way to say this is you show up and God will show off. You show up. And God will show off. He needs you. He wants you to be part of the story. He wants you to be his ambassador, his messenger, his child. He, he is longing for you to show up in these moments, these appointments, these divine meetings. He wants you to show up so that he can show off in a powerful way and change the lives of the people around you and to transform you in the process. Are you gonna do it? Do you believe it? Will you you journey with him? Will you give it a chance? Because I'll tell you, when you experience divine appointments like this, you will become addicted to God setting things up in advance for you. Ephesians 2.10, you're going to become addicted to God showing off and using you.